Hello, friend. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode 24 on our series on friendship, Confronting Leaders. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. 1 Timothy 5.19 Justice and confrontation is meant to happen slowly and carefully. Sometimes it happens too slowly, and there are plenty of unfortunate situations where one witness needs to be taken seriously. And if that verse is triggering for you because you have lived at one of those situations or been affected by one of them, I want to encourage you, God's justice is faithful. There is nothing that will go ignored by him. There is nothing that will not be revealed. There's also nothing that will not be redeemed. So please keep that in mind as we continue our conversation today. Um, I love what, what Jesus says in the Gospels and also what... Moses says in Psalm 90, you have revealed our secret sins in the light of your presence. And then in Matthew 10, Jesus is talking about um, spreading the gospel, but also interacting with the enemies of the gospel. And he says, there's nothing hidden that will not be made known. And I love that because the holiness of God will be proclaimed and the beauty of the gospel and also all of the deception and wickedness of the enemy will be exposed. So with that contextual introduction, um, I think it's time to explain the situations. So this is a set of case studies Um, They were not related to each other in any way, but they happened around the same time. And uh, these are the quote-unquote private collaborations that I participated in in 2015-2016. And I recognized when things started to come to a head that I was experiencing these two situations together so that God could compare and contrast because I knew that I was putting the same amount of effort into each confrontation and God allowed them to happen at the same time so that when the results were different, I was able to compare and it was also his way of protecting me from judging myself when the one confrontation did not result in reconciliation. Um, There is another difference between these two situations. One of them was a one-time incident where there was an article that went up on a website and it was approved by the leader and the the thoughts and the opinions in that article were downright disrespectful to God 
and they were unbiblical. And it was wishy-washy emotional vomit, to be totally honest. So that was a one-time thing. And the other situation, excuse me, (coughs) the other situation was very slow in the fact that it was so slow, it was spread over months to the point where I actually had to sit down one day and scroll back through the group chat and write down dates and things that happened and then dates and things that happened. And I am normally a pretty relationally attentive person. Um, and I was fairly mature at this point. But I want to encourage you that there are situations that are so long and drawn out and confusing that even in a season of relatively strong emotional health and clarity and maturity, and this was towards the end of my years in Florida, I still needed to slow down and think through the entire situation from start to present because I honestly initially didn't know how we'd ended up where we'd ended up. So, um, and there, there are situations like that where they're just so drawn out and it's like, wait a minute, how did we get here? And, um, I've talked to my marriage podcast occasionally about not getting historical and it's easy to not get historical if you are consistently going to each other with your sin and repenting, or you have the occasional, Hey, that thing from two months ago that I didn't bring up, that is actually, that actually did hurt me. And we're going to bring it up now and talk about it. And then we're not going to bring it up again. So there's a difference here. Uh, And the difference is that these things happened progressively and they were never addressed. They just kept on going. Um, So in this particular situation, uh, I actually vlogged about it at the time. It it, it was part of a... I want to say like a January vlog series I did in 2016. Um, I was working on a secret project and <laughs> there's nothing to show for the secret project because it, I, I resigned as a part of having to leave due to the confrontation. Um, but in a way, uh, God, God has redeemed it because I have this life experience that makes me stronger, um, and I'm able to share it with you, and uh, that brings me very great joy. So, um, I had been invited to participate in trying to come up with a story for a movie, and so there were a couple other girls, and we were invited to meet up at this hotel, and we had a conference room, and... um. And we sat and we talked about the kind of movie we wanted to come up with. And in our alone time, the girls and I got to know each other fairly well. And we had all these this different life experience that overlapped very 
very um, uniquely. And um, it was a very meaningful experience. And then we stepped away from that uh, meeting and um, our leader, our direct leader, um, had, so first of all, um, he introduced a fourth girl into the story planning process. Now, the two other girls and I had already, we had built this camaraderie and we had this unity and we were able to be vulnerable in a very confident way. And our leader brought in this fourth girl and said, you have to work with her. And it completely changed the level of vulnerability. It went immediately shallow. We weren't able to brainstorm freely. We'd never met this girl in person. This is all long distance at this point. And so that really shut down the creative process at the beginning. And I think he had the perception that, you know, more people was better. And I have done this. So I'm I'm explaining the situation not from place of judgment. I, I did this after the fact and realized, oh, crud, I did that thing where, you know, and this is a very interesting dynamic in groups. <clears throat> when you have a small group, that develops a really high quality trust. You need to protect that group. And it's important that you're not a clique. Like when you're at church, you interact with other people and you're open. But then when you meet alone with yourselves, it's okay to do that. And we, we have we have such a prejudice in our culture about cliques because they've been so hurtful and they are so hurtful. However, they're not a bad thing when, when they're done properly. And, and having a core group that goes deep is one of the very great blessings of Christian life. Um, and in fact, studies have shown that in a workplace, and this also applies to a family, but in a workplace, when you add someone to the group very suddenly, it it's actually a bit of a traumatic event. And I try not to overuse the word trauma, but it's it's a surprising event. And I've experienced this multiple times in my work life. And you get into a rhythm, you've got your core team, and then you add somebody. And it completely changes the, the mood, the working environment. Um, and this is also true for families. And so adding a family member either by marriage or by birth is a, and fortunately with birth, you have nine months leading up to it where you know that this is coming. So you have time to mentally prepare. Um, but sometimes by marriage, uh, people just show up and we're in a serious relationship and you need to accept this person. And if you're used to your your core family being a certain way, um, that can be quite the shock and quite the adjustment. So, um, so this leader brought in a fourth girl, and that kind of killed the working camaraderie 
immediately. And we basically never got that back, which really stank. Um, and then we had a, a group audio call, um, and we discussed, and, and we had, in the group chat, we had discussed that we were going to bounce around ideas to start with. And not only was our, our direct supervisor there, but also the, um, the patron was in that meeting. And so I and the other girls went in with the idea that we were just going to bounce around ideas and try to come up with stuff, even though we had this fourth person now. And as we kind of got into those discussions, you could tell from the tone in the voice of both the patron and the leader that they were disappointed. And after that phone call, um, I could tell that they were expecting more finished ideas. But that was not what we'd gone into that phone call expecting. Um, and in hindsight, it would have been better for just the leader to be there and not the patron. And after that audio call, the leader was disappointed and he sent an email that included all four of us girls and the patron and even just like some random church people who were his mentors and he was really disappointed in us and he was going to work with this other guy to come up with the story and mostly the way that we got there was he didn't have realistic expectations he was sabotaging the very process that he was trying to foster um and so I read that email and I felt very hurt and embarrassed. Um, one of his mentors included was actually like someone who knew me as a child and I hadn't seen him for many years. And so it was embarrassing. It was, it was very uncomfortable, especially when there was nothing I could have done differently. There really wasn't anything I could have done differently. This, this really was all on him. Um, and <laughs> we'll, we're going to get into other case studies and I'm getting out of myself. We're going to get into other case studies where there's plenty of things on my end that I contributed to the friendship imploding. Um, but uh, in this one, it was very one-sided, um, for better or worse. And um, my poor friend and my husband uh, can tell you that I obsessed over the situations. Like, I talked about them. I processed them. I was thoughtful and prayerful. I was just like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Um, especially before I had done the relational archaeology, for lack of a better term, you know, figuring out the the history of the progression. And so this email happened. Um, 
And then after that, so the three girls and I kind of got together and we realized this is not working. This is not what we were asked to participate in. And our leader is kind of sabotaging things and we need to confront him about this. And I said, I, I will try to confront him. Um, um, and so, unfortunately, there was no opportunity for me to confront him at that time. And he and I actually got on a plane and uh, went out to a national park and filmed a dance film together. And so we had uh, two or three really intense days um, and we're doing this work and we're dancing. I'm dancing. He's running around in the sand. Um, and sand is very hard to dance in, by the way. Uh, I strongly don't recommend it. Um, and during the course of this film shoot, there is just a lock on my mouth. And there's even a verse in Ezekiel that's very ironic to me. It says, I will make you mute. And God made me mute on this subject. There was nothing I could say. There was just, it was not the right time. And this is a really good example of a pattern sin. And a pattern sin, which I don't think I've explained before here, um, a pattern sin is when you see a pattern of sin. And so something is happening consistently. And especially, it is my experience that a pattern sin is very much rooted in a wrong mindset or um, an idolatry of, I'm afraid of this, therefore I need that. Or, um, or uh, some pride. Um, I mean, pride is, did you ever play that gopher game at an arcade where you, you hit the gopher and it keeps popping up in the different holes? Um, pride, pride is like that. And even, even false humility is pride. And so the pendulum swing is pretty brutal in that front. Um, so just pride is something that we're going to be fighting for the rest of our lives until we die. So get used to it, kiddos. Uh, the gopher hunt is real. Um, so, so we do this film shoot, um, and I managed to get one of the arrangements that I made was I want both the footage and the photos from the shoot. And I should have brought a terabyte hard drive with me so he could have transferred me the footage. Um, but he he was able to transfer the photos, so I had those, um, and then we parted ways. Um, and after the fact, we realized that it was not... Uh, the footage was so large, and he would have had to buy a hard drive and mail it to me, and it just was not practical for him to mail me the footage. <clears throat> so... At this point, everything creatively has just kind of 
slowed to a crawl and a stop. And I come home, I'm tired and exhausted, and I, I used up my precious work vacation time to go out and exert myself on this film shoot. And uh, my men- this, that was the last thing I did. That was March of 2016, and my mental health started crashing in May. So, crashing. Yeah. Um, I had hot flashes in May, and this film shoot was in March. So I really could have used with the rest. Um, but the crashing of my mental health resulted in coloring pages. And... There's a tab on my website dedicated to that. So, inversemart.com. Um, again, my wounds were redeemed. And now they are comforting other people in the spirit of um, 1 Corinthians. The comfort with we, which we have received by, from God. We are then able to comfort others. I believe it's 1 Corinthians. It might be 2nd. I am not worrying about it right now um but it's definitely chapter one so it's it's easy to find anyways so I am pouring my heart and my soul and my very precious physical resources into this film project and um the music video film project the dance film that was involved with the dance and not the movie making project. There was two projects and the, my friend asked me to participate in the music video one in, it was like summer of 2015. Um, and then the invitation to join in on the movie came late 2015. So the So the one preceded the other, but they were all, they weren't connected, but they were with the same person and they were with the same patron. So I got home from the shoot and I realized, okay, I still need to confront my friend, my leader about the the progression. And so I... I actually filmed a video and I uploaded it unlisted on YouTube and I emailed it to him and um, um, one of the guys who was part of the um, the staff, I guess, for the creative project for the movie. And I tried to do that video as best I could and... I emailed it, and I heard nothing. So I can only assume that it was not watched or clicked through by either of them. So, um, and in meanwhile, one of my, you know, my one of my girlfriends, the three of us, you know, she asked me, have you been able to confront him yet? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And it's been, it's been months at this point. So it's dragged on and on and on. So finally, I realize this is not working. I need to remove myself from the situation. And I 
resign from the movie project. So I send that email to the leader and the staff member, and they reply back with surprise. And I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, why are you surprised? This has been a long time coming. Um, but they're, they're still in the dark about the whole, my, the leader's pride sabotaging the creative process. And so he and I set up a phone call and it's been several months since, um, the dance shoot at this point. And at this point, I'm, I'm not even angry. I'm just sad. And my, I've, I've thought over my words and the situation for hours and my words are soft and my, my tone is tempered. Um, and he's spent hours upon hours upon hours, um, editing the music video and the dance that I did for it and one of the things that he had to communicate to me in that phone call also was that the patron did not like the dance footage and they wanted to refilm it with something completely different and my friend had already spent hours upon hours and he'd actually counted it was several hours per second of final edit that he had invested in editing that footage and they decided they didn't like it and no one has seen it to this day no i haven't even seen it i haven't even seen the footage that i busted my butt to film he didn't show me at the end of the film shoot and that's probably for the best because I would have been more emotionally attached to it. Um, and let's be honest, I wasn't ready to go viral in 2016. My mental health was in the trash. I was trying to maintain my relationship with my long distance Twitter boyfriend. Um, and not lose that. So there was a lot of other things that were more important. Um, so that was, working on this project was one of the most exciting things that I'd ever done, and it also ended being one of the most blah things that I'd ever done. Um, but that is very simply part of the risk that you take when you collaborate. Um, you are trusting that the character of the other person is going to be trustworthy. And there's a lot of factors outside your control that determine whether it does or does not work in the long run. Um, and you have to be very forgiving of that. And one of the reasons I believe that God has had me work on my own for the most part is because um, that amount of creative investment and then destruction, I guess, 
um, is very expensive for me. And God has very intentionally given me a lot of project that I God has very intentionally given me a lot of project ideas that are kind of a one-man band. I mean, I can sit down at my art desk and I can sketch out an illustration and trace it and scan it and put it on the internet or print it up and make a thing. And honestly, that's my plan today, this week. Um, and that creative process is not dependent on anyone else. So I'm a big fan of, um, collaborating wisely when it is people that you absolutely trust a hundred thousand percent. Um, but also working creatively on your own in things that you can you can finish and you then have to show to add to your portfolio so um so it was a very sad phone call because my friend had to tell me that the dance film that I had burned up my physical energy for and for months I mean, I'd gone to the beach in Florida and practiced dancing on the sand, and it was exhausting. And um, he had to tell me that, you know, they didn't like it and they want to completely refilm it. And at first, I didn't understand. I thought that they were going to, like, use some of my footage and do something, but they ended up going a completely different direction. Um, so... During this phone call, I had the opportunity. My uh, my mouth was opened, and I finally had the opportunity to explain to my friend, you know, here's the timeline of what happened and why I decided to resign. And my friend told me, that God had, in the past few months, so harshly rebuked him that the person that he was a few months ago was dead. And he said, if you had tried to confront me about this two, three months ago, back when we were filming, um, back when my mouth was shut, there was a lock, and I was mute on this subject, he said, I would not have received it. I would have gotten angry at you and just blown up in your face. But because I waited, and I waited for the right time, God dealt with his heart issue so that I could come in after the fact and point out the specifics. And that's the thing about confronting Patternson's. You have to wait for the right opportunity. And I'm talking about... This is not like... I'm not talking about murder here, okay? I'm talking about disrespect. I'm talking about attitude. I'm talking about... um, 
you know, things that can be endured for a short time, but they shouldn't be maintained long term. And, um, the thing about pattern sins is that because you recognize it's a pattern and you're getting to a point where it feels unbearable. It is very important that you wait and you pray and you wait for the right opportunity and you pray for God to make that opportunity very clear to you and you also pray so that God will filter your words so that you say them the way that you ought to say them and Hopefully you've listened to our previous episodes on conflict. You know, conflict, confrontation is like eye surgery. And you want to have clean hands and a clean heart and clear eyes before you go in and you remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, but also we know that if you're interacting with a pig, you don't vulner- make yourself vulnerable to a pig. You just run away. Pigs are very strong and they can actually really hurt you. Homestead YouTube tip. Um, It's amazing how much easier the Bible is to understand when we understand farming and agriculture. I love that. So here's the thing about a clear opportunity. And I've had this happen multiple times. I can think of three other situations where I confronted a pattern sin and it was a very clear opportunity. And one of the signs of a clear opportunity is that it'll be the situational equivalent of a parent walking in the kitchen while the child has their hand in the cookie jar in that very moment. So we're not talking about like, oh, there's crumbs under the baseboard or, oh, there's a little chocolate smear on the side of the mouth. But it's, it's very, very blatant and clear. And one of the other blessings is that if you have been going to God and praying and getting him to get your heart right, there will be no implications on you in that situation. If you've been obeying and walking with the Lord as you ought to. And so if you if you toe the line and you keep your eyes fixed on Christ and his and and you walk in faith that he will vindicate you. There's lots of really beautiful psalms about vindication and not being put to shame. So get your concordance out and look those up because they're wonderfully sustaining in painful, painful times. Um, um, yeah. And I say that because I have dealt with pattern sins with family members. And A few years later, 
I had a similar thing happen where I had conflict with one family member and conflict with another family member. Now, this is not the same exact same situation as what I talked about in my vulnerability podcast. The one situation was the same. Um, the member of my husband's family who did not receive my confrontation is the same. But the other person was actually my mother. And I sent both... I handled my conflict with my mother and my conflict with my husband's family member in the same time frame, but over the course of, like, years... So when we're talking about pattern sins, sometimes you have to bear with that situation a long time. And those psalms about how long, O Lord, are very important. But the more that you go to God and you trust him for your vindication, the easier isn't quite the right word, but the better it is. And fortunately, I have so many threads in this conversation on the table. I'm trying to tie them together. Thank you for your patience. Um, I, my mother received my confrontation and I sent her a thick handwritten letter And she eventually read it and received it. And our relationship has been restored. And we keep a very short account with each other. So when something hurts me or offends me or rubs me the wrong way, I recognize that in this situation with this parent, and I'm not saying this is for everyone, but in in my relationship in honoring my parent, I know that I am called to confront her because I can see things no one else can see. And I can confront her on things that, quite frankly, are way too difficult for my father to confront her on. Um, because, just because of... I'm not in the situation, but I can I'm still very very close and and um God God has been so good to restore our relationship. Um but he did that he did that same thing with my mother and my family member, my husband's family member where I I saw both of those situations rising up at the same time. And I'd already been through this very long and extensive confrontation with leaders. And I knew that one was going to turn out and one was not. And I had a hunch going in that my mother would receive my confrontation. And you guys, I sincerely thought... There was a time where I was not sure that I would ever have a 
happy friendship with my mother ever again. And I can tell you, like, we're about... My husband's listening and he's nodding because he walked with me through all of this. He was part of the safety. It was two weeks after the wedding and I was mad at my mom. Because I was finally safe enough to where I could process all the years of codependency. And we're going to go visit them in a month. And our visits just keep getting better and better. They really do. Um, Now my parents are still loud. And I love them, but they keep getting better. So it's a good time. But, but God brought these two situations on my doorstep at the same time because I knew that it was going to take time with both of them. And having them next to each other helped me accept that God knew one was going to work out and be reconciled, and one was not. It was God's graciousness in allowing both two situations for my family confrontation and two situations for my leader confrontations. And having those two at the same time actually made it easier because I knew that I was spending the same amount of intentionality with each of them And I knew that when one failed and the other one reconciled, that it wasn't my fault. And one of the very difficult things about loving people by taking the time to confront them well is dealing with the fallout when they do not receive that, when they don't repent and you don't have reconciliation. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned the situation with the leader where there was an article that went up on a website that was rebellious towards God and emotional, wishy-washy. There was not a shred of sincere logic in that entire thing. And I know because I read it multiple times and it was like... And Ben read it with me and it was awful and he helped me draft the email that I sent two, three months later because I took my precious time about it. My sweet time, I should say. And that leader did not receive that confrontation. Now, there were other things in the working relationship that were not going well. Um, He didn't very clearly communicate his expectations of me. Um, I knew that he trusted and respected me, but he also trusted and respected other people more who I didn't respect. Um, There was a person um, on that board in that group chat who was very agreeable, but they were ultimately a taker. And this leader was completely blind to that dynamic about that person. Um, And Ben, this was one of the first times that Ben was really like, oh, 
the gift of him being kind of a, a secondary boundary, an external boundary, if you will. Um, I don't know that I've talked about external boundaries yet. Let's do that. Um, but Ben telling me just point blank, he's a taker and you don't have to take him seriously. And implied in that was me recognizing I don't have to trust him. I don't have to be vulnerable with him. I don't have to invest in him. And I had invested some. And then when I asked him to reciprocate, he just kind of went silent. And um, not the leader, but the staff member. Um, Not that we were getting paid, but just the the associate board person. Um, So there were other issues that I couldn't even address. They weren't included in my email because I, I kind of needed to focus on the, the, the single situation. And if that had been received, I potentially would have brought up this other gentleman. Um, and, um, his story turned out to be a very sad one, unfortunately. Um, But having Ben process that with me was very helpful because his clarity, I'm always trying to assume the best in people. In general, asterisk terms and conditions apply. Sometimes I'll pendulum swing the other way and just assume the worst in everyone. Um, But when I'm in my optimism mode, as opposed to my pessimism mode, when I'm in optimism mode, I'm trying to assume the best about everyone. I'm trying to give and care and love. And and Ben stayed my hand on that. And that was such a gift. And so um, the short explanation of internal versus external boundaries An internal boundary is one that says, I'm not going to take phone calls from this person anymore. I see their number come up. I let them go to voicemail. I wait a few hours. I text a reply. Hey, sorry, I missed your call. What's going on? Um, But that's an internal boundary where I have the self-control to ignore that phone call. And I'm not speaking. I've literally, I suck at a... I really struggle with internal boundaries, Um, but I'm getting better, and this is not a situation that I've ever personally experienced, (laughs) Um, so I'm just kind of making it up, but I know other people who have interacted like this, so let's say that the call comes in, and I ignore it, but I'm still relational, but I know I cannot be vulnerable with this person with my time over the phone. But let's say that this person calls too intensely and maybe you can't even have a healthy text conversation with them. And so then it's time for an external boundary. And I have no hesitancy in blocking phone numbers. When I am done with a relationship, and I know that even though I may still care about that person, 
and want the best for them, I know that I cannot invest any more time or emotional energy into them at all, ever, whatsoever, I will block that phone number. And that is a helpful boundary because anything that they send will not get to me. Their calls will immediately go to voicemail and I will not receive the voice message. I will not receive texts. And that external boundary protects my emotional energy because if I saw those texts, I would see I would see their name and I would think about them. And I would have to, in that moment, process all my emotions about them all over again. And I would have to decide, do I have the self-control to make a calm, wise decision about this? I had a friendship where we had a nice, delicate confrontation, and it was received, but then the person didn't change. And they they didn't change enough to make a difference. And part of it was that they had not developed the skill of long-distance relationships. Part of it was that they had a lot of idolatry in their life and that had made them very selfish in ways that they didn't notice at the time. Um, and part of it was that they, they refused to be vulnerable about that idolatry to trust me to, to help them with it. And I mentioned this at the end of my vulnerability podcast. And I recognized this person was at my wedding. It's very interesting how time goes on. You invite people to your wedding that you care about. But also, I knew sending out the invitations that there were friendships and relationships that would end. I can think of three off the top of my head. And unfortunately, this relationship was the last one to die, and it was one of the most painful. And I recognized, you know, we had a good kind of confrontation thing. Um... But then it just, the relationship was dead. And the other person thought it was still alive, but it was not. And I finally accepted, okay, I am just going to hide myself from this person. So I blocked their phone number. I blocked them on all social media. But unfortunately, when they sent me an email, I did not have the self-control or the slowness to reply in a thoughtful, loving way. And I replied hastily. And I said things that haunt me, that I deeply regret. 
And I, I, expl- I, I, I include that case study in this podcast because this confrontation with leaders was over the course of 2015. It started in 2015 and the confrontations happened in 2016. The friendship that I just described was in 2018, 2019 was when it died. And so just because I was good at confrontation in 2016, when I had the slowness to progress in it thoughtfully, that was a slow confrontation as opposed to when I got that email and I did not have the self-control If I could go back, I simply wouldn't reply. But I didn't have the self-control to not reply. So I sent a nice email, and then I recognized that I was lying, and it made me sick to my stomach. And so then I sent a second email where I actually said some very painful, truthful things. And this was someone that I considered one of my closest friends back in Florida. But she had allowed idolatry into her life to such an extent that she had so much creative potential. But, and she still does. And I'm not saying that she can't act on those things, but there were things that that she knew that she should be doing that she wasn't doing that I would have been so happy to encourage her in. And she was investing her emotional energy in worshiping something that God was trying to take out of her life. And she wouldn't let go. And so God had to rip it out of her hands. But even then she'd still done a lot of damage to our friendship. I say all that to say this. Confrontation is hard. And all we can do is do the best we can, moment by moment, day by day, month by month, and... Trust that God will take care of the rest. There is mercy and forgiveness when we fail. And there is blessing when we obey. Trust him. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to click the link in the description, inversestream.com slash podcast slash conflict. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor. This is not a professional counselor. This is simply a Christian who wants to encourage you 
and disciple you and help you work through these hard situations as you pursue Christ. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go live it.